Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. We're back. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Joined this morning by my brother and business partner, Justin McNamara. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, did you notice how old one of my commercials is there? That Because I referenced Arden being six and she's now nine and a half. <laughs> I, I think I need to update my commercials. What do you think? Maybe. And I've said this on the air many times, but the sparkly, no, the rolly shoes that she wanted and we eventually did buy for her on her birthday. She wore them three, yeah. t- three times. Did three you maybe, yeah, total maybe times. Maybe gave them to Rosie or something. Or, um, or I want to say that maybe have, and they can't be they they can't fit her anymore. That's no, no. So <laughs> they, they were actually they looked like they were really hard to roll in. I think it's like a skill to be able to use those actual rolly shoes. Anyway, we're talking about Roths this morning. The Roths and all their glory. Um, FYI, Roth IRAs have been around since just 1998 and the Roth 401k which we actually should talk about right now has been around just since 2006 well yeah before yeah. so before we move on from uh, the last discussion where we were talking about you know funding a Roth and, and you know the growth potential and tax free yep. uh, I, I don't know if this is on your list of things to cover but um, for what I, I, I popped up on Alyssa you can see this and, and if there are any TV viewers here um, if you make a $6,000 contribution, right, to a Roth IRA, let's just say there's a one-time contribution. Yep. And I can't, the calculator doesn't let me do a zero addition, so I just put a dollar a dollar a month oh, okay. um, and, and grow it for 40 years. You're up over $90,000. At just 7% uh, if earnings. Can, if you can earn 7%, right? Again, that's not guaranteed. But yeah. this is a... You know, for, for folks who are who may have kids who are working, you know, a summer job or in college, um, you know, because they're not in much of a tax bracket yeah. when they are young, but they can still make a Roth contribution. I mean, you, you, there, there are, you know, folks who could essentially do a Roth contribution if you make six grand uh, working over the summer or whatever the situation is after school you know, you can get a Roth contribution, IRA contribution and you don't, you know, there's no downside to it, right? Because there's no, you know, you don't, you don't pay any taxes on it anyway. Cause you're, if you're in a 0% tax bracket, um, you're not giving up any deduction, right? You can grow it for 40 years and you have 92 grand. Again, that's a deflated, that's a, you know, that's a, that number would be def, you know, deflated by inflation. Closer to 31,000. Um, 
today's dollars. To but still, yeah. yeah. But still, yeah. Your 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 money's up five times tax yeah. free. Yeah. Uh, and all you had to do was just, hey, I'm going to throw. You know, if you, if you have some extra money laying around and, and you've done all your retirement saving and you have some kids that might um, that might uh, you know be working, it's certainly something that you can think about because the time you know the time value of money you know growing for that long yeah. is really it's really going to compound on you. And then again, it's it's in. You know, no taxes, grows tax free, comes out tax free, assuming they take it out after 59 and a half. It's, it's just it's a it's an incredible benefit. And it's yeah. kind of a, a bit of a tax cheat code, especially if you can. I mean, not everyone has the extra money to, to throw in there. But um, if you do, something to think about. Yeah, especially for people like if we think about if we think about like wealth transfer, right? So, or, mm-hmm. or, or, um, yeah. you know, many hopefully, right? Many listeners or many people will pass away with significant assets still in their name, right? And and that will transfer to their kids most of the time anyway, right? So, and there are some people who, especially later in life, will start transferring assets to their kids if sure. they, you know, and we would have conversations about, you know, when, when do we think that's a good thing to do when we're not worried about you running out of money, right? If For people that are in the situation where, you know, they're, they'll be hopefully comfortable enough in their own retirement and, and will likely be passing significant assets to their kids anyway what a great way um to to transfer wealth (laughs) to be very technical to the next generation um and and you know by getting money into the Roth and then the next generation has all that tax-free income later in their own retirement so I I think it's a really good wealth transfer tool as well yeah Um, and for folks who are you know if, if you're lucky enough to be in this case the recipient of maybe an annual gifting program from you know, a parent or a grandparent, right? You mm-hmm. know, you know, mom, you know, if, if mom and dad are, are gifting you some money, maybe you have some kids that are working. It's going to be a great use for that is to, you know, get it in and invest it and yeah. have it, you know, if, if you're going to invest it anyways, if you can pull it off tax free for life, that's, that's probably not a bad idea. Yeah. And I was just thinking like, you know, the, the, where this is awesome, like what you're illustrating here is, is someone very young putting money, right? Like like a high school or a college or a 20 something, right? Putting money in yeah. and saving it for 40 years. Of course, I guess you could be 40 and and, you know, not take it out until you're in your 80s. Right. Like, I guess. But sure. um, yeah, yeah I, I guess just under the topic of wealth transfer. Right. Unfortunately, not many people like in their 50s with high school and college age kids might not like know if they're in a position to be transferring wealth, right? Am I going to be okay in my own retirement, right? So that's a whole nother discussion. But um, yeah. but yeah, I think that your, your, your example was a good one where what if, you know, you're the recipient of a gift from someone else and if you don't really need that money, great, you know, great thing is to just transfer it to a Roth yeah. in your kid's name. I think, yeah, and I have several clients that, that express interest in opening Roths for their young, you know, high school, college age kids, even, you know, people in their early career, you know, early 20s, things like that. Um, great thing for people to do. We should actually we should um, <clears throat> we should let people know that you have to the, the kid if you're if you're putting money into a Roth for your son or daughter, that your son or daughter needs to have earned income. You, you can't right. just, you, they, they have to have a part-time job or some taxable income. It can't be babysitting if they're not declaring the money. It has to be earned taxable income um, that you, you, a son or daughter has in their name. So if you're going to put $6,000 away for your son, for example, who's in high school, he needs to show $6,000 of earned income in order to be able to put that money into the Roth. Of course, like you said earlier in the show, the parents can actually put the money in. It doesn't matter where the money comes from. The the uh, the kid just needs to have taxable earnings from a part-time job, right? And it can't be babysitting money that's not declared unless they're declaring the babysitting money as taxable wages. Yep. Which in yep. that example yep. would actually be a really good thing to do. What if your daughter, uh, to be sexist, right? What if your daughter was babysitting and earning three grand a year on that? Most yeah. kids wouldn't declare that as income to the federal government, but there would be really no downside because with $3,000 of taxable income, there's no taxes due on it. Federal, I don't even think state. I don't know yeah. off the top of my head what the state... Um, deduction is, but it would be really small. So in that example, to declare that babysitting money as taxable income in order to be able to put the money into a Roth for the kid if you wanted would be likely worth it. Ask your tax professional. 
then it begs the question, like, how do you declare babysitting money? How do they prove how do you prove that your son or daughter made that money? Can you even do that, actually? Ask your CPA. I'm, sure you I'm not an accountant. I'm sure, they, I'm sure, I'm sure you can, right? You declare income. I, w- I would guess that, right? you know, in a, in a cash business. I mean, yeah, you're not getting a 1099. I'm, I'm, you know, we're not we're not sending 1099s to our babysitters. That's for sure. Oh, that's right. Um, you'd have, maybe you'd have to get a 1099 from an, your from your employer. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, maybe. OK. Well, you know, so it's at 50, maybe, just, so, you know, maybe that doesn't work. Yeah. If yeah. The kid's 18. I mean, you could, you could, you know, and they don't retire until their late sixties. That's 50 years, right? Yeah. So you could, I mean, just think about the numbers on that. Yeah. Uh, $6,000 turns into 180, which is uh, over which 50 is a, years. Uh, yeah, and that's, 50 years and that's just that 7%. I mean, you know, very, like if you're pretty aggressive in a diversified portfolio over 50 years, yeah. Historically, anyway, our earnings could outpace seven percent by a few percentage points easily in, sure. in in several of those years. I shouldn't say easily, but of course not guaranteed. But that's even a pretty modest projection if you're in a pretty aggressive portfolio, at least in those younger years. But that's really cool. Yeah. Then this is really this is why the Roth is is it's just the compounding earnings are beautiful in and of themselves, right? But but um, the tax-free nature of the compounding earnings is is really where the Roth is so powerful. So, and sometimes I think about like, will the Roth always be around? Right? Like, it's, it seems too good to be true sometimes when I talk about it. But I think they will. I think they will always be around because if you think about the state of um, the the U.S. government uh, and our in our our budget, like our finances, right? We're we're not yeah. a we're not a financially healthy country um, in terms of the amount of debt we have, right? In our in our deficit, especially not last year. Like, right. if our if the federal government was our client, they, we'd we'd be like, "This is terrible. <laughs> You're in terrible shape. Look at all the debt you have. Um, what is your earnings ability, right? But the but the earnings ability, you know, part of it anyway is the ability to tax the people and." Um, so based on the fact that the the U.S. government isn't in a great fiscal financial situation in terms of the amount of debt, I think that the Roth will always be around because the government wants tax revenue immediately. Right. So the Roth yeah. it, for, uh, from the government's perspective, the Roth is beautiful and that they're not foregoing tax dollars when people put money into Roth, they're getting their tax revenue and they want it immediately because, our, you know, our, it seems like our government is pretty short term in terms of their thinking. Right. Our legislators are they're not thinking super long term. They're not like, oh, this is, you know, with the traditional. You don't think two years is long term. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, right. They're, they're not. Yeah. Most. I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think um, any changes to it, I would, I would bet, would be at the top of the income scale, right? They may just say, "Hey, you know, your yeah. your Roth four hundred one k maybe maybe limited," but you know, the the idea that they're going to get rid of it for you know your average taxpayer is probably not um, probably not all that realistic. I mean, I, I know that Roths made some headlines with uh, you know people having five billion dollars in their Roth IRA after they contributed two grand, right? You know, mm. I think there was I think Peter Thiel and, and managed to get some money into a Roth, and it was shares oh. of a company that went crazy. Oh. And now now he has you know five billion dollars in tax free oh. uh, money accessible to him. I, I think they might try to cut yeah. it at the top end, but um, yeah, I mean on the lower end, that's just more more short term revenue, and I you know, obviously your average legislator would value that yeah. uh, more so than you know foregoing revenue that's going to that would come in. Yeah, I agree. And and I think the Roth years in the future. And I think the Roth is really designed for people uh, lower income. It's designed. You you can't even argue it. It's designed for lower income earners because the Roth IRA has income eligibility limits. So for us in 2022, for a single uh, tax filer, the, this the Roth goes be, eligibility goes based on what's called modified adjusted gross income, which is like kind of like your gross income, but there's all these adjustments to it. So, a single filer with what we call MADGI or modified modified adjusted gross income over a hundred and twenty nine thousand, I think, roughly that is not can't even put money into a Roth IRA, and a yep. and a married couple filing jointly with more than I think two hundred and Four thousand dollars in 2022 of modified adjusted gross income, they can't put money into Roth IRA. So it's really meant for 
your average American. It's not meant for very you know wealthy or higher income earners. So so you're correct there. Yeah. But what what is interesting is that some 401k plans and actually 403b plans. I've seen this once in my career. Allow in a 403b some 401ks and 403b plans allow Roth contributions. So 401ks. But through you know through employers and 403bs through municipal or uh, nonprofits you can put more money into those number 1 so someone under age 50 can put $19,500 away in a 401k this year contrast that with someone putting money in an IRA you can only put $6,000 into an IRA or a Roth IRA for 2022 yep. so right so so first of all you can put a ton of money into a 401k as compared to an IRA some 401k and 403b plans, like I said, allow Roth contributions and there's no income eligibility limit to it, nope. which and I feel like if the legislators are going to go after something, that's what they're going to go after. Income eligibility for Roth 401k, because someone making two million dollars a year as an executive of some company could put um, 20 if they're over 50, grand, can put 27 yeah. grand into a Roth 401k if their plan allows. So people can get a bunch of money in there and higher income earners can do that. So I was I just wonder if I'm pretty sure no legislators are listening to this radio show. So I'm not worried about giving them any ideas, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> that's no what, federal legislators. <laughs> right, right, right. That's true. Um so, which is very interesting. So, but for for whatever reason, well, Roth four hundred one ks haven't been around that long. They're get. It seems to me that Roth ability to add money to Roth four hundred one ks is getting more common. I've just seen more and more of them over in in, in the last few years. I don't know. What maybe it's your, maybe it's your radio shows. Maybe yeah, and all these yeah. Um, I've only seen four. Roth 403Bs are actually a thing, but I've only seen one of them ever. And I think it was a hospital and I can't remember which one, but they're just not super common. Like, and I, and I think it's because the insurance market insurance has the 403B market cornered and it's the record keeping. And yeah, this, you know, most 403Bs are in school systems and they they don't want to be involved in uh, maybe paying, right. Paying for it. There's like extra costs associated with having the Roth. Yeah. 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 So I think maybe in, I, yeah, I would say, I would assume probably in a big hot, you know, if you're working at Mass General in, and have a 403B there, there's probably a, again, that's a guess, a Roth option because yeah. they're, you know, a large employer and very centralized. But if it's your average school system, yeah. right, you're, you know, your, your school administrator there who, who's handling payroll probably doesn't want to be dealing with a, with a, a retirement plan. Yeah. Yeah. But they I got just, enough on their plate. Yeah. I, I just I think it's interesting that there's no income eligibility limit on the Roth 401k side. And, and I do, you know, I do have some clients that we, we take advantage of that sometimes. Like, you know, we, we sort of talked about I guess we could sort of segue into suitability here. Like we talked about how, you know, whether or not your retirement contribution should be deductible or should be Roth becomes a, a question of your tax bracket now and your tax bracket later, right? We already talked about that. Like if you're in a high tax bracket now, yeah. low tax bracket later, you know, maybe put money into the deductible, you know, take the deduction, put money into a tr- traditional plan. If you're in a low tax bracket now and might be in a higher tax bracket later or the same tax bracket later, then, you know, m- maybe the Roth is more appropriate. I have some higher income earners that... Um, maybe don't put their full also with a 401k contribution you can you can split it up like you could do half deductible and half Roth those that's pretty cool there you can play around with it yep so <clears throat> there are some higher income earners where we're having this conversation about you know does it make sense to to take advantage of there's no income eligibility limit here and I can get some money into a Roth 401k because I can't fund a Roth IRA and it, you know and and for like executives and things like that like I said maybe they're in a lower tax bracket later but they might also be thinking, well, they could be thinking about wealth transfer, like let me get some money into a Roth and my kids will inherit that tax-free later. Or they might be thinking, you know what, tax brackets might increase later, right? We, we opened the show today by talking yeah. about how tax break brackets are actually really low right now compared to the last almost, well, what, 80, oh, I'm sorry, 100 years, right? Yeah. Tax brackets like oh, maybe almost have never been lower than kind of where they are now um, in the last century and or close to it anyway. And, you know, if people would are going to make a guess about where tax brackets will move in the future, will they go higher or lower? 
it is hard to imagine them going lower. Right. And it, it, right. We, are, we already have an administration that wants to increase taxes, not for everyone, not for your average American. He, he would like to increase for uh, wealthier, higher income earners. Yep. Um, but, I, you know, I, I would have to assume that, you know, and again, we already talked about the U.S. government isn't very healthy financially. And, and you know, will they need to raise taxes in the future to pay for the you know, trillions of dollars, for example, in stimulus the last couple of years, right? If you had to guess, you would guess they're probably going up. So I have some, you know, even higher income earning clients that were, were putting at least some of their contribution into the Roth component because it's kind of like a hedge against taxes going up in the future, right? And, yeah. and you know, sometimes... Yeah, I, mean, I, I, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, based on, right, I mean, if you're if you're in a lower tax bracket, I don't think it's, it's as much... Although it, it does yeah. make it complicated, right? So if you're in a higher bracket, odds are you retire into a lower bracket unless you get a, a, you know, a tax rate change. And, yeah. you know, I would say if you're if you're very high up there, um, I don't know, it's, it's a hard it's a hard call to make. Right. I mean, if it's I would say it's a personal preference if you say, hey, I think I really think rates are going to go up and they're going to affect people like me and certainly a little hedge. I mean, we think, you know, you want to have probably some Roth money somewhere anyway yeah. just to give you some flexibility I mean, we didn't talk about distribution plan you know, when yeah. in retirement taking money out right if you only have one pot of money right you know for folks who just are you know they've been saving in their traditional 401k for their entire careers well there's not really any tax planning that goes on well that's not true not not any but there's you you have limited tax planning flexibility yeah. right. in retirement because here's your pot of money. Every distribution you take is taxable. Right. And if you don't have any flexibility as to when you take the money, because you're, you know, because you're, you know, you need the income to live well, then you're kind of stuck with whatever tax rates are at the time. Um, having some Roth money in there would give you some potential flexibility to, you know, to, to play the brackets a little bit and avoid jumping uh, yeah. from, you know, from, from 12 to 22 or, or, you know, 24 to 32, et cetera. Yeah. And I do want to get into, um, some income planning discussions and like diversification mm. of um, where your money comes from. I guess we could do that now. We just have a couple minutes. Um, but I, yeah, like w- w- if you, if you think about when you're in retirement, I think diversification from a tax perspective in terms of what types of accounts you have that you can draw from, like you were just talking, I think that's pretty important, but it's something that you have to plan for well in advance, right? right. You can't you can't plan for that when you're 62 and trying to retire at 65. The only thing you could do in that example really was, well, unless you're making tons and tons of money and have a huge savings ability in a few years, but really in that situation when you have a short period of time maybe you're just building some cash right and diversifying that way but you have to plan yeah. for it early like you know i have some um you know younger clients that want to open up what we call non-qualified accounts or non-retirement accounts because they recognize that that's the only type of investment account that you can draw from before 59 and a half without penalty right and so if they're thinking far ahead they're like well what if i want to retire at 55 or 50 right right then i don't have an account to draw from if i just have a 401k and a roth although actually you could take your capital back out of the roth um if if you had a roth but that's right there there are there are strategies that you could use right In, in broad strokes right just you know for the average person it's it's the way that they handle retirement income you retirement before 59 and a half makes things at least at the very least difficult with regards to accessing your money. Yeah. And it's also just great. Like you alluded to it a couple minutes ago, like when you're in retirement and for most people, the the majority of their assets are in a 401k, right. Or what becomes a rollover or IRAs. Right. And so when you're taking money out in retirement, you're, you know, maybe taking a monthly income stream and you're paying taxes on it. A, A Roth is just, you know, a great thing to have, for example, if they're like, you know, I need to take out, you know, I'm going to buy a car or I need like 20 grand for my roof or like if they need like a large sum, that's um, like a one off type thing. It's just great yep. to be able to grab it from a Roth, for example, because you're not worried about, well, if I need 20 grand, I got to take out like 26,000 from my, you know, 401k yeah. to get my 20. Like, so for a bigger purchase, it kind of is powerful. I think Roths have their most, they're the most beautiful when you hold them for a very long time and capitalize on the earnings, but they're also beautiful for like those lump sums uh, needs in retirement because you can grab a bunch of money tax rate. 
Okay, um, we just have to take a break, and I guess we'll get into like suitability and who should be doing this after the break. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed, joined by my brother Justin McNamara this morning. We're talking about Roths, of course, one of my favorites. We'll just be right back. This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes-no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no, and it's time to move on to another advisor. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. We are talking about Roths this morning, and I'm joined by my brother and business partner, uh, Justin McNamara. Uh, We're talking about the Roths and all their beauty. I feel like we do have a lot left to cover, so... um, Let's make sure we hit. Uh, some Are we going to rush through things. this? The remainder of this outline. Yeah, we can't leave anything out. Um, all right, I do want to sort of. We touched on this like kind of throughout the show, but if we think about who this is, very broad, right? Of course, you you know lots of disclosure. Talk to your own financial professional, tax professional. Um, but I just sort of have a, a list of people that I think should probably contribute or consider contributing to a Roth. And again, we touched on a lot of these things um, earlier in the show, but um, so I think we talked about younger people. I think, I think that people are like in their twenties and thirties and, and even getting into their forties should be contributing to Roths if they can, if they're eligible and if they, and, or if they have it through their 401k. And that's because, you know, for two reasons, number one, well, I guess both related to how much time they have before they're uh, retiring, uh, before they're taking money out, right? So someone in their 20s and 30s has 30 to 40 years before they would be hopefully taking the money out, right? And so we already talked about that compounding, right? Powerful compound, compounding can be very powerful. And um, so, so number one, someone that has a long period of time to invest and can capitalize on compounding earnings, not guaranteed, uh, I think should consider it. But also... The longer the period of time this person has for the, the rest of their life, really, I think the greater the chances are that we're going to have tax legislation that increases tax brackets. So I, I just think someone that has a long period of time should should consider doing that. Like we said, a ta- hundred times, tax brackets are pretty low right now, and if people can, you know, tuck some money into Roths that are on the younger side, I think that's a really good idea. I try to. Um, you know, with my younger clients, I try to check every single year. Do we get money in? Can we get money in? I just think for younger people, it's super important. I don't think it's as urgent or as important for, you know, the 50 and 60 somethings because there's not enough, you know, there's not as much time to really take advantage. And and the tax bracket differential is uh, more of an issue and eligibility is more of an issue for some people that are older. Okay. So younger people, absolutely consider it at least. Yep. Um, we sort of already talk a bit, talked about high school and college kids, um, you know, and parents maybe making contributions. But I think that's something to consider for parents that have, you know, the discretionary income and, and want to tuck some money away for our, their kids. Our, I don't want to jump ahead here. Are our, our, uh, folks who are planning to leave money to their kids uh, on this list? So not exactly. But what I do have is like retirees yeah. with or you have to have earned income to put money in a Roth. So like think of like the retirees that are just working because they want to. They might not really need the money, but they might be working yeah. because they want to. And if they're financially comfortable, right, to tuck money into a Roth in those years and just be kind of like, hey, my kids can inherit this tax free. That's yeah. pretty cool. So I think is that's kind of what you were just saying. Yeah, I mean, I do. So I will regularly have conversations with clients and, you know, in, in certain cases, right? I mean, if you have a, it, it's usually for folks who have more than enough financial assets, of, you know, of which obviously we, we work with a few, we'll have the the discussion about well, what happens to this, you know, money and it goes to my kids and I'll, I, I do have the taxation discussion, right? And it depends. And I'll say, well, you know, if you inherit this asset, let's say it's a, you know, an old variable annuity that they funded in the seventies and mm. it's almost all earnings, or if it's a large IRA or 401k, um, you know, I'll have to say, well, you know, your, your kids will inherit the money and the tax piece of it is going to depend on their individual income tax situation, mm. right? So if they inherit the money, you know, if it's like a 21 year old 
grandkid, they may have a substantially different um, tax situation on, on inheritance than will a, you know, a 57 year old kid uh, who's in their peak earning years. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're talking about very, very different amounts of after tax money once that money is once that is distributed. Uh, but that really doesn't exist with the Roth. Right. So it's it's a kind of a way to, mm. you know, I, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a real problem. I mean, certainly a first world problem. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you want to leave money yeah. to kids, um, you're in, and they're in, you know, sort of drastically different tax brackets. Um, you know, you're you know, you you are you are free to view it as, well, hey, this person's getting more than that person. Right. You know, this person's in the 12 percent tax bracket. This person's in the thirty four, right. you know, the thirty two. Um, the after-tax amount is is very different if you're inheriting a traditional IRA, traditional 401k, whereas that doesn't really exist in in the Roth world. We could have like a similar discussion when it comes to a retiree drawing down assets, right? And I've had this discussion several times yeah. with yeah, people, yeah, sure. right? Like think of a retiree who has more than enough money than they need. Their their kids are going to inherit it anyway. Let's say they have a bunch of money in a IRA and then a bunch of money in a Roth. Or maybe it's less money in the Roth, which is normal. Um, That retiree to draw down her Roth, for example, would be more tax efficient for her. But she's probably but she could be in a lower tax bracket than her adult kids who are going to inherit the money. So I can think of some situations where some of my clients, I'm actually having them. They've agreed, of course, (laughs) draw down their traditional IRA money and pay taxes on it and preserve the Roth because it'll the Roth is a better account for the kids to inherit. And right, it becomes it comes again down to tax bracket differentials. And if, you know, the retiree is in a low bracket because they're living off Social Security and just a little bit from their portfolio and the adult kids are in their working and earnings years, that's a great strategy for, you know, mom or dad to pay taxes at their low bracket and pass things more tax efficiently to the kids. Um, Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a great strategy. I just had another thought and I lost it. Oh, we didn't talk about how Roth IRAs don't have required minimum distributions either. So so Roth for sorry, so IRAs, rollovers, 401ks. I know my picture's really weird, but I hated the background. Um <laughs> sorry, I'm talking about the video. I'm I'm using that blur feature on the Zoom. Can you see me, Tim? And it's like, well cuz, you know, the, I don't know. I didn't want can you see it anyway? It looks like it's you've like, cleaned part of your camera lens. But I'm like, I'm, it's like a floating She's head. She's in the fog. Yeah, I know. Anyway, I keep trying to like. Are you not proud of the WATD studio? The well, I don't know. It needs to be cleaned up in here a little bit. We need we need some. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. That's not my Ed, department, I'm Alyssa. Sorry. I can't help I do, you. I, I have said this out loud to, to people here that can I redecorate a little bit in here? I'm sure you they would have loved. They actually said yes that I could, but I didn't. Yeah. I bet you if you paid for it, they'd let you. Oh, that, that, that's exactly what. You know, I don't think you need exactly to pay Alyssa. No, you should be able to do it no charge. Me, <laughs> I, no, no, I'm, I'll, I'll, I trust your judgment. Oh yeah, I'm not even a great decorator, but I just, you know. Anyway, I digress. Four hundred one ks and IRAs, like traditional retirement accounts, have required minimum distributions. So right now, under current tax code, when people are age seventy two and older, they have to take a certain amount out of their retirement accounts. Basically, the government wants its tax revenue. Right. So and it's not a lot that people have to take out. What is it? I think it's still they just adjusted and it now still starts at like three point six five percent of the value That's of right. your account when you're 70, 72. Yep. So but what's great about Roth is that there's no forced distribution from a Roth IRA. I'm, I think still Roth 401ks still have required distributions, though. I'm pretty sure that's still the case. So most people that have a Roth 401k would would roll um, to a Roth IRA, which is actually important because I'm pretty sure Roth 401ks still have R- RMDs, required distributions, but Roth IRAs don't. So anyway, that's great. You're not, you're not for, while you're living, you're not forced to take any money out of the Roth. So I think an actually great like income planning strategy is to um, save the Roth as one of the last chunks of money that you draw from. Maybe you're, it's even in your 80s or 90s. Maybe you're, um, you know, you save that for a while. Again, compounding earnings, but again, there's no forced distribution. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. You know, just just to be clear, uh, yeah, Roth 401k is subject to required distributions, but you can roll it out, right? You can so, roll it you know, out. For, yeah. We we you know we deal with this because we have a. Uh, you know, a, uh, an employee at our firm who's in required minimum distributions. And oh, yeah. so he does have to take, 
his Roth, his distribution RMD from his Roth 401k. Um, if he was able to get the money out and roll it into a Roth IRA, then it would, it would not be subject to RMD. But he can't so roll it out because he's still working. So, you, so okay, that was going to be my next question. Well, yeah, I mean, out, you, I mean, you can, you know, if there are if there are in service withdrawal rules, you can get, you know, you could just periodically move the money out. It gets, you know, administratively, it's kind of a pain in the butt, but yeah. you can certainly do it. Um, you know, so so if you if you want to roll the money out, if you still have your money in your four hundred one k, you're going to be subject to RMDs, and they're going to say, you know, you have to take this yeah. much money out of the Roth portion, this much out of the traditional, yada yada yada. Yeah. Um. Im- important to note, though, that when it w- if you have a Roth and you pass away, and your mm-hmm. kids inherit or whoever inherits the Roth. Um, not a spouse, but if a if a non spouse inherits a Roth IRA yep. under the new um, under the new tax code, which changed just a couple years ago in 2020, you have to draw all the funds out of that inherited Roth in t- within 10 years. So, and that's the same as and any any inherited retirement account now. That someone inherits from a non-spouse. Different answer for spouse, but non-spouses now have to draw all the money out of inherited IRAs over ten years. That's different. People used to be able to stretch it out for life, and that's not the case anymore. What was the old rule with the Roth? Could you just ca- it was keep the it same? In? You had yeah. to take reco- you had to take life expectancy distributions right. from the Roth when you inherited it. Okay. Yep. Yeah. The so only in, thing was they weren't taxable. That's yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. But now, and I think just you know, just a yeah. planning idea for folks. You know, for if you inherit a Roth IRA, you you know it has an end date, right? Let's say your parents leave you a Roth IRA. It does have an end date in that ten years. Um, if you're, and I, I'm sure you talk about this with with clients who've inherited funds all the time. If you're able to, you know, roll those into your own. Not directly, but if you're able to effectively mm. get money into your own, you know, either 401k or Roth IRA, you can certainly do that. You know, for example, if you're funding a 401k regularly, but cash flow doesn't allow you to do both a 401k and a Roth and you inherit a Roth IRA, you can, in. assuming you're income eligible, oh, I'm going to, you know, I just inherited $50,000 from, you know, from my mom's Roth. I'm going to take out seven grand a year or six grand a year from that Roth as a distribution and I'm going to open up my own new Roth and fund it. Right. So yeah. again, that's not a, that's not a, a scenario that works for everybody, but right. it's just something to, to kind of keep in mind. If you have that, that 10 years will buy you some flexibility with regard to what you do with it. Right. I mean, you know, same thing if you heard a, tr- a traditional IRA, maybe you, you know, you, you're forced to take distributions. Maybe you can increase your 401k contribution and, and wipe out the income. So you know, the, the, yeah. the number of years does give you some flexibility to work with. So you want to, you know, you want to sort of get right on the planning aspects of that right away and figure out, all right, what's the most tax efficient way for me to take this money out uh, and and kind of redeploy it? Yeah, Assuming kinda, you're not going to spend it. Yeah, that's fun. That's actually kind of fun to think about. I don't I can't think of if I've had a client inherit a Roth since 2020. Yeah, because that only changed in twenty effective one one twenty, right? So I can't think of if I or not any not anything substantial. Maybe there was one and it was just liquidated. I can't remember. But that's interesting planning tool that like yeah, that ten years. You're right, does give you a lot of time to do some pretty cool things from a tax perspective and a funding perspective, right? Unless you spend it, which most people just right. We're not. I mean, we're not seeing a lot of huge, you know, Roth inheritances just yet because as you mentioned, they've only been around since the early two thousands, but. You know, yeah. As the years go on, you know, in the next 10 years, I, I assume we're going to see more and more and more, you know, pretty substantial Roth IRA inheritances. And it's, you know, yeah. that's actually, you can spend. Yeah. yeah, that's actually a good point. Sometimes I, you know, over time I have noticed like, you know, Roth IRAs were just always such a small percentage of someone's portfolio. Right. Since yeah. since I started my career almost, oh, my God, almost 20 years ago. But now they're now we're starting to see some substantial dollars in Roth. I'm like, oh, this is super cool. But yeah, that makes sense when you think about it because they've only been around 15 right. years. Yeah, and they so, started. Yeah, they started at uh, you know in 1998. They started at two two grand a year for the longest time. So you really didn't have a lot of opportunity to get much money in there. Right. Right. Yeah, that'll be cool watching that change over time. Especially, oh, I'm sorry, Roth IRAs have been around for what 24 years, but Roth 401k is only 15 years. Mm-hmm. But that will be cool because, again, you can get so much money into a Roth 401k. It'll be interesting to see how over time, you know, who takes advantage of that and how we could see some really sizable Roth 401k balances in the future. Yep. Ooh, that's kind of cool to think about. 
I hope mine's one of them. For for you, yeah. For, maybe not for most people, but yeah. Yeah. Well, no, for them to have a large Roth balance, you don't think that's cool to think about? No, I was just, oh, I was just, just how joking. excited yeah. I am Most about people don't it. get yeah, yeah, yeah. as excited yeah. about Roth as, as you do, but that's fine. Um, all right. What else do we need to cover? We've only got about 10 or 15 minutes. Um, Conver- should we do conversions? Oh, conversions. Yeah, we should absolutely cover conversions. You should, uh, you should start just, that. Yeah, so just to be clear, you know, uh, you can fund Roth IRAs, right? So the, the, there are income limits on making a contribution, right? I mean, we mentioned married filing jointly is what, 204000 Yeah, I believe or is so, it yeah. 204000 uh, there's, there's a phase out, right? So it's yeah. not just, you know, if you if you go over $204,000 in, in um, modified adjusted gross income for 2022, uh, then your, you know, your Roth contribution limit is phased out. Um, the Roth 401k does not have a phase out on it, mm. but you can also convert assets from a traditional to a Roth IRA. And, you know, it again, the, the same, I would guess it's, it's all the same considerations of, you know, what's my income tax? You know, what am I paying taxes at right now? What do I think I'm likely to pay taxes at in the future? If I, if indeed I even plan to take out the money and, um, you know, you just sort of go through the same process, I guess. I, I don't know if I, we want to get into too many specifics. The, the, the the time that we see this most often, I think, when we're working with clients, is sort of in the in the early retirement years. I guess I'll, yeah. I'll ask you: is that is that where you do it most often as well? Right. Um, when you retire, if you don't have any earned income, and you're you know a lot of folks who are retiring early, say say before seventy, have made the calculation that they don't want to take Social Security until seventy for whatever reason, you know, for because mm-hmm. they think they're going to you know have have longevity and they want to keep that larger benefit for a long time. So they will, they'll retire and have no earned income, but also have, you know, no social security coming in. So they, there tends to be this dip in their tax bracket where all of a sudden they're just maybe drawing money from a brokerage account and their tax rate goes from whatever it was, 32% when they're working all the way down to 10 or 12. And, you know, those years are often good opportunities, at least to review the tax, you know, the, the, you know, the potential tax benefits of doing a Roth conversion. Yeah. Right. And I think it's, a you know, m- most of that in our discussions, you know, stems from the fact that if you've, if you've been a great saver for a long time, right, and especially the people who are saving now, we're probably you know, retiring now, we're probably saving um, before the, you know, Roths even kicked in. Yeah. And so you'll have a large IRA balance, a large 401k balance. And when you hit that 72, uh, you'll, you'll jump up potentially or at least potentially jump up a tax bracket. Or oh, two, yeah. Right. And yeah. so, you know, if all of a sudden you're, you know, you're retired and you retire at 62, you have 10 years of, oh, I'm going to hang out here in the 12% tax bracket. But all of a sudden my at 72, my required distributions kick in and I'm up, you know, I'm up to the 22. There's a, a planning opportunity there to, you know, maybe minimize that burden later on in life. Yeah, I agree. And I, I don't find a lot of, um, I don't find a lot of client situations where conversions are really appropriate. I I have the Roth conversion discussion from time to time where I see appropriate, but I don't um, I actually don't do a lot of these. And it's not. And again, it's not that I don't find some situations where I think they make sense. Um, But just for example, I had a conversation quite recently with a client who I thought uh, basically what you just described um, in a low tax bracket pre 72 um um in a situation where you know i you know plenty of assets um um where i thought like we could take advantage of a low bracket and well i i guess a couple things so when people are in those early retirement low bracket years i do think it makes sense to take advantage of the low bracket and take money out of Right. The 401k, for example, but how often is it that they don't need the money? Right. Right. Yeah. Like generally people, you know, need some money to live off of in addition to their other sources of income, their fixed income. Right. So yep. so I, there's a lot of times where we're paying to, you know, taking money out of retirement accounts before they have to, even if they have other assets. Um, to take advantage of the low bracket, but but the con- I just haven't found a lot of situations where the conversion makes sense because they need the money to live off of, or to right. you know they're renovating the house or um, they, they just need money to live off of. They want more cash in the bank. I ha- and then I can think of one situation or one conversation I had with a client recently where actually 
there was another year or two where we could take a withdrawal from a retirement account at a low bracket. They've been doing this for a period of time. I, I can think of this one example where they retired, you know, several years in advance of age 72. And we've been taking money out of the retirement account. Again, even though there's other more tax efficient assets, we've been taking money out of the retirement account because we recognize the low bracket, but the, and they've yep. just been living off of it. But after so many years, they actually had more than they needed in, in cash. So the kind of this year was like, well, we don't really need to do that this year. So I brought up, okay, well, we could still do it and we could and we could do a Roth conversion. And I started explaining that. And this particular client was kind of like kind of like that sounds he was kind of laughing. It's kinda like, that sounds too good to be true. That doesn't sound like it's legal. Like he just kind of like <laughs> laughed it off and was like, I don't think that's for us. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I swear it's perfectly legal. It's just a little bit of a different strategy. I think part of it is that some people maybe don't I don't know if it's they don't quite understand it or um, I don't know what it it kind of does seem like a little bit too good to be true or I don't know I just that was just kind of funny we were kind of laughing about that but um, yeah I just don't I don't do these often I just don't find a lot of situations where where it makes sense to pay the taxes um, to do it and for people that are on the younger side they should just be putting the money into a Roth or a Roth 401k anyway we don't need to be converting we can just put the money in right, and, right. in many situations I think, yeah, so. I think the only real no brainer Roth conversion opportunity is is probably you know it's it's like a a, a fairly well off small business owner who's in a you know a, flu- a you know a fluctuating uh, whose income situation tends to fluctuate maybe yeah. right you know if yep. you're if you if whatever if the industry that you're in um, is pretty economically sensitive, what, you know, whatever the, you know, whatever the situation may be, if all, you know, if you, if you're showing a few hundred grand a year in income, but all of a sudden you, you have a year where you're at zero or you lose money, um, that's a pretty good opportunity anyway, to convert some money to Roth because you, you know, you really are, you know, if you're you're doing well enough, you're unlikely to be able to, well, A, you can't contribute to a Roth IRA and B, you're probably not going to be in a low bracket ever. And so if you, Hey, if you can grab 50 grand and pay very little in taxes and move it from your 401k to your Roth, you know, one time only, that's a, that's a fair, I mean, it's, it's very uncommon and it it affects a very, very small percentage of people, but um, that's the only one where it's, well, you know, you you probably want to take advantage of this because otherwise you're kind of wasting that, you know, that, that opportunity to be in a low tax bracket because they, they tend to be fairly rare. Right. That's true. That's true. So where I struggle with, with um, you know, I think there's a lot of situations where it makes total sense for people to add to a Roth versus a deductible and the opposite, right? We sort of already talked about those, like very young people, low tax bracket, do the Roth. Older people, yeah. high tax bracket, likely lower tax bracket later, make make the deductible contribution. Where I struggle with is like, <clears throat> um, I don't know, the 30 and 40 somethings that are high income earners already. Yeah. Right. And it's like, you know, you're making, you know, a husband and wife maybe making, you know, 300 grand or something. And, you know, they're in a relatively high tax bracket. But where will tax brackets go in the future? Um, You know, they've you know, those people often have a couple of kids. Right. Maybe expenses related to that and eyeballing saving college. So taking the deduction to free up some cash flow does make sense. But making the Roth contribution because they have a lot of time. And um, maybe tax brackets will change. Like you can argue both sides of that for those. Oh, my God, I guess I'm middle aged. That's awful. I was about to say middle aged people that I realized that that's me. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) I I guess I didn't really say that out loud uh, until just now. But I'm middle aged. Tim. It is. It's happened. Just, um, just, right, just now, I yeah. can see. I mean, I can Congratulations. see it on the Zoom screen. I can see the the <laughs> creases where there weren't always creases. Um, yes, thank you. I have made it this far. Um, but anyway, but those those middle aged higher income earners, I think that's like the gray area. And so my solution to that, I don't know if you have a different one, but my solution to that is split it. Like for people that have a 401k and they have the Roth option and you're, you know, again, you're 40 something, you're making really good money, you're in a high bracket. What do you do? I would say split your contribution, do half deductible, half Roth or something like that, because we don't we don't know. We don't know how tax brackets will move. Um, But but we do want some deduction for the cash flow reasons, you know. But but and then there's like a whole I mean, do you have a different answer? Is that kind of what you do with your clients? Like kind of just let's do both. Yeah, well, I I, you know what? Obviously, everything is situational. Yeah. Just, I would I would add the piece of if you're in a 401k with a match or a profit sharing, 
um, the all of the matching and all the profit sharing money is all going to be coming out taxable, right? So that's going in the traditional bucket. So even if you're if you're right, contributing, right. you know, let's say you're yeah. being good, I'm doing ten percent of my money to my four hundred one k. I'm going to do five percent Roth, five percent traditional. Uh, if you have a good match, mm. um, you know, if you're at a five percent match or even there's a profit sharing, you're probably in a position where the you know still the the vast majority of what you end up with in retirement is going to be in traditional, even if you're going fifty fifty. That's true. And so that's just a you know keep that in mind. The match does not if you're Roth matching. If you're contributing to Roth, all your matches go in traditional because you can you can rest assured that your company is not paying income taxes on that money. Justin, on that, that epiphany? No, on that note, though, it wasn't an epiphany. It was a situation I came across very recently with a yeah. client who works for, I guess I'm going to say the name of the company out loud because I was pretty impressed by this. Delta. Yeah. He said that Delta, I can't remember if he said they already passed this or they're getting or they're trying to get approval to be able to make their matching 401k contributions Roth, but the, but the employee would elect to pay ta- The employee would have to elect to pay taxes on the employer contribution. So that's the first time I ever heard that, though. But you're right. 99.9% of the time, employer contributions to a 401k are 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 they go to the deductible like they'll be taxable later because the employer is taking the tax deduction for that right they're writing that off as a business expense so you're going to sure. pay taxes on it later but this was the first time ever I've heard of that that they are giving employees I can't remember if he said it already passed or they're trying to get this through giving oh work, we got to go work with the IRS yeah they're working I think with the IRS to make sure that they can do it to make Roth matching contributions. And their match was incredible. It was like the highest match I've ever heard of. And, yeah. um, uh, and but you, of course, the employee would have to pay the taxes on, on it. So they would, you know, uh, there would be additional oh, tax burden. But isn't that so interesting? I was like, that's so cool. Um, cool. Anyway, you've got a minute to go. But I, I, I also think there's this like group of people that where Roths are really appropriate, like Roth 401ks, for example, like really high income earners that won't yeah. even notice the difference in foregoing that like they don't need a tax deduction because they have so much discretionary money anyway. Like right. I kind of they're not even going to notice like and I and I think to have that for wealth transfer or to have tax free income later is kind of cool. And they'll probably like super wealthy people will always be in a high tax bracket right so anyway that that's cool for a lot of reasons um but we have we have to go tim is already playing the music um isn't that a fun show it's it's a good one (laughs) we'll do it again justin it was glorious it was glorious (laughs) all right uh you're listening to mcnamara on money thanks so much for tuning in i'm Alyssa mcnamara reed that was my brother that joined me today justin mcnamara um we you can find out more about us at mcnamarafinancial.com or mcnamaraofthemerrimack.com justin mans that office uh in the merrimack valley in chelmsford uh uh, you can find out you can listen to our podcast search your podcast app for mcnamara on money if you miss any of our shows uh thanks for listening everybody have a great weekend